Who is the most living largest? Who is the most living hardest? Who is the most living largest and hardest? Who is the most living large and hard? Here he is. Hi there. Welcome to the Living Large and Hard podcast. Today is a little tale called What Could Happen? It's only a Wednesday afternoon. This is the story of a little uh, trip around to some of my favorite Allentown bars. All of them sadly closed now with my buddy Flipper, also known as Ann. Uh, she has a tendency when agitated, maybe she doesn't anymore, but she would flip her bangs and her husband, Constable Whitebread. He's one of those guys uh, so white they're pink. And they came down to the mini mansion for a bar crawl. And we, we headed out. Constable Whitebread was a little trepidatious, I'd say. And I said, what the fuck you got to worry about, man? You look like a constable. Get it? And like I said, he was, he was so white. He is so white. He's pink. So hence, Constable Whitebread. So we headed out um, from the mini mansion. And our first stop is the House of Chen down on uh, Hamilton Street in Allentown. What a great place. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite dive bars of all time. I'm actually at this point, I don't know when you're hearing this, but uh, I'm working on a, a love song to the House of Chen. I've got the lyrics. Um, if you heard Jesus at the Tiki Bar or Techno Tiki, you know the song will be absolutely fucking horrible. But that's okay. That's kind of the point of it. So we went to the House of Chen, first stop. Uh, when you walk into the House of Chen, you have two options. You can go to the right down this little tiny hallway to the restaurant. And when you get there, there's this great big pair of carp. Maybe there was more than two, but they're in this little tiny tank with not very clean water. So it's like a couple of school buses in a little parking lot trying to move around, whatever they did. But the restaurant didn't really ever deal with that. If you went down to the restaurant side and then to the left, there was the cashier stand and also a little, um, like a gift display. And they had one of those mannequin echo cats, a couple of those, you know, the ones that just high five all the time, the little big eyed cat. And they had dice. This is what I remember. Is it true? It's gotta be true. I remembered it, but why would they be selling dice? seems weird. But anyway, the important part is the bar. Like all good dive bars, the House of Chen had Christmas lights year-round. They also had loads of shit on the back bar. I mean, just, you know, pictures and promotional stuff and just garbage. There were also, um, for ambiance, some upside-down paper umbrellas that were lit from behind uh, the ceiling lights. And inside, there were moths and flies and roaches. You know, you just shit like that is priceless. Um, now, behind the bar, as you sat at the bar, there was very there was a couple little tiny tables, but basically all you could do was sit at the bar. And if you looked to where Mike, the bartender, he would always kind of stand in the owner slash bartender. He would stand in one place with this great big Buddha to his left behind the bar pretty much life-size and then to the right up in the corner were some monitors little black and white monitors and he would 
buzz people into the bathrooms. But the people he was buzzing into the bathrooms were almost never customers. So I'm pretty sure what was going on was drug deals and from the looks of people, not to stereotype, but from the looks of people and the fact that they weren't customers. So I'm guessing Mike was getting a cut of that action, which is fine by me, just adds to the ambiance. Um, there was a time that Postal Lee, who, if you listen to Crackhead Fireballs, that episode, Postal Lee figures, you know, predominantly in that one. We were hoofing around Allentown on a separate little bar run, and we went... This was the trip where we went to the piano bar with no bar, with no piano. There was a bar, but there was no piano in the piano bar. And there was also no other white people. So we had a little trouble getting waited on. But when Lee and I, I think we kicked things off at House of Chen. Makes more sense logistically. We were there and we had uh, two mixed drinks each. And we got ready to go and it was $5. That's right, $5 for four mixed drinks. Anyway, we go in there. Um, Flipper ran into a coworker, which didn't really look good because I believe it was yeah it was a weekday. Obviously, it was a Wednesday, and it was during the day, but you know she was off. Um, so that was kind of odd to run into someone because she works in a uh, corporate environment, and nothing really much, nothing at all except that happened at House of Chen, except the fabulousness of the house of chen so conveniently right down the uh you walk out the front door and cut down an alley and there was hondos um the magnificence of hondos and i i've said this it was right next to a laundromat on an alley and i've said this many times that going to hondos was like drinking in a mental institution now if that's not your kind of thing and I'm guessing we never hung out because that's definitely my kind of thing. I guess maybe drinking with me anywhere was like drinking in a mental institution. Didn't seem that way to me, but then I'm on the inside of me. I'm not seeing, well, never mind. So we go in this place and there is no glass whatsoever. Um, all the beer is in cans. The... Uh, Drinks are served in either plastic shot glasses or plastic cups. So right there, that's a pretty good sign of what kind of place this is. And again, this is a Wednesday afternoon, so, I mean, what can happen? Also, in Hondo's, one of the things that I really liked were the signs that Hondo had himself had written on the bottom of 30 packs that he'd torn out. You could see where the... Um, the butts, the little little round tookishes of the cans had made their 3x5 imprint in, uh, in the cardboard, and he had written on them such things as no more than one person in the bathroom. Another one said no selling drugs or prostitution. And there was another one that I'm not really sure if it was an admonition or like a, a philosophical thing that he had just noticed. And it said, nobody uses the phone anymore. And I thought, yeah, pretty much you're right. Um, so we come strolling in. And there's two guys standing right in the middle of the bar. Singing very loudly in Spanish. 
there's a woman in um, thigh-high boots wearing a fur, a fur coat, and a short skirt. And obviously under the influence of something that's taken her reality about 45 to 55 degrees away from the reality that we're in. So I'm guessing that was a hooker. Just guessing. There was another, there's a, a large black gentleman with a fedora and a leather jacket who took a shine to um, my partner at the time, Peeps, and um, basically just ignored the fact that the other three of us were there and offered to pull her chair out. and it, But none of it was vocalized. It was, all, well, it was vocalized, but none of it was words. None of it was verbal. It was just, mm, huh? Oh, huh? <laughs> oh. So there's that guy. So, <laughs> and that was, that's not even the entire scene that was going on. Um, at one point, we were probably there for, we had to be there for a couple rounds. And I'm up getting the, uh, getting around. And the bartender who looked like his IQ was about room temperature on a chilly day. He screwed one of the beers up. You know, it was a light. It was supposed to be not a light or it was a yingling beer. It was supposed to be a lager, whatever. So I just go to take it and Hondo goes, hey, he gave you the wrong beer. And I'm like, I, fine, don't care. So Hondo cared. I mean, this guy was all about customer service. Um, so Hondo um, made me give the guy the beer back and made him give me the right one which made the guy who fucked up feel kind of bad because the boss busted him but I didn't really give a shit it was kind of entertaining so at this point Constable Whitebread's getting a little a little wound up um, not feeling real comfortable and so we decided to leave there and then we head to Candida's your friendly neighborhood gay bar it was basically a neighborhood bar on a corner uh, that happened to be a gay bar. I would take people in there and there was a lot of times people just, they really couldn't tell that it was a gay bar. At first you wouldn't know, but if you're there for a while, you could kind of tell. So we went in there one time and um, went just to get a six pack and came out and I'm walking around the back and um, I hear, well, don't say hi, you big bald queen. And it was Jimmy, the bartender, who was also a neighbor. Um, so that was kind of a tip off that it was a gay bar. That was also the Candida was at the traditional finish line for the bar races, which you can hear about in the Mike Slasky interview in part two. And there was a time I was mentoring somebody on their first acid trip, and um, which was good for me because it was not going well for me. <laughs> it was this guy's first trip, and he was just having the best time ever, and I was totally freaking the fuck out. And at one point, my dog had to go out. We were at the mini mansion, and I was—I finally got figured out how to clip the clip to Asta's collar and had her go out 
But when I opened the door to the side yard, there was a one of those wire a dog run things so she could just, you know, I could clip her and get the fuck back inside. But I felt like an antelope on the veldt. And then everything out there was full of um, meat-eating tigers and lions and things like that. So I was horrified. So at that point, I figured it was probably time to knock the trip down just a, just a tad. So I always had a bottle of something in the freezer. So I got that out. I believe it was rum. Had some rum and tonic and a pint glass. A little bit more. And then I finally chilled the fuck out. So then it was time to take this other person. I said, let's, you know, I don't know why we went to Candidas. I think just to hang out. But um, we get there, and there's a very, very large man sitting on a bar stool and Wheel of Fortune's on the TV. So at this point, I'm the lion, and it's my veldt because it's my hood, and um, I'm feeling pretty damn good. And the other person, they start to freak out just a little bit. He talks to the gigantic person on the bar stool. And the person turns around, and what we both heard was, So I'm not really sure what was going on there, but I just thought, you know, someone talking and we're on acid. But the person whose first time it was didn't really appreciate that. So they um, looked at me, their eyes got real wide, uh, grabbed their jacket and their scarf, and their little funky cap that they were wearing. And I said, look, just chill out, man. Finish your fucking beer. Relax. It's okay. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, uh, Candida's was also the kind of bar where it was such a neighborhood joint. I would go there to get the neighborhood gossip. And at one point, because I lived in Florida for a while... And I walked in, and I hadn't been there in years. And luscious Linda was tending bar, and I strolled in. And she goes, hi, Mike. Lager? Like I just left for two hours, not two years. So it's that kind of place. Also, uh, at one point, it would have been a tip-off that it was a gay bar because they had um, a Leatherman stripper. I tucked a few dollar bills, you know. But other than that, nice place so i figured hey what can happen it's wednesday afternoon we made out of hondos a lot <laughs> you know what i mean it's not going to be any yeah, things got to chill back out so um we're in there and things are pretty good but uh the music starts getting louder on the jukebox and louder and then singing starts and the singing gets louder and more people join in and the music gets louder and the singing gets louder and again um constable whitebread he's kind of had enough at this point and it is pretty loud and i figure you know let's just go and we, we get ready to get up to go and a conga line of gay boys comes by the table which I thought was great. What was a great send off, and um, so we we kind of wait for the conga line to go by, and then we get to the door, 
and I, you know, give my salutations to the bartender so long. And then the last sound we hear is a glass, a glass ashtray smashing on the floor. I don't think it was intentional, but that's only just the perfect send off is smashing glass. So there you go. I mean, it's a Wednesday afternoon. What can happen? Answer is good shit. So thanks for listening. Um, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can follow along on SoundCloud. A lot of you get my subscription service, text messages and um, messenger messages. I appreciate any and all feedback. I get very little. Um, I like doing these. I imagine because I do get some feedback and I do see where people will knock off up to 10 or 12 in one sitting that it's pretty good, but I don't know. So I'd appreciate you could tell me I suck or you could tell me that it's okay or you could just give me a little pat on the back because I need so much, so much positive reinforcement. Um, So anyway, as always, let's listen to some traffic. From 309, here we are at the Skybox, Allentown, Pennsylvania. High above Highway 309. So long for now.